It is 10.23 on July 23 in 2023, and I'm preaching from Psalm 23. Whatever uh, door to the metaverse or black holes are opening up right now, I'm not sure. But someone at staff meeting pointed out, so I was supposed to preach August 6th, but Tom Spiker and I needed to switch. So here I am with Psalm 23 in this magical moment. And, uh, you know, I think military time would be 2023 tonight, 23 seconds. If you recite the Psalm 23, once in a lifetime opportunity, my son, that could be a good you know, post for your little thing there. So just a thought. I just really encourage everyone, Psalm 23 is so awesome. And just, I'm gonna do the last three verses. And uh, Josh Weaver, you pointed that out to me. So it's 1024. If I'm still preaching at 1123, you can head on out. Just say, I'm splitting, I'm gone. So Pastor Josh is lead pastor. My name is Dave. Welcome to those online. I'm the associate pastor. And so with Josh going to be gone on his vacation, thought that the church possibly might burn down. So we invited the Milford Fire Department. From there, we thought about, you know, the toll touch truck. No, that's not true. We just, we're going to have a fun time today. And so in case we forget to mention it, right after the service, uh, we want all the drivers or whoever uh, is in charge of honking horns, because the kids were just loving that. And so let's let the drivers during the last song, you guys get out there. And so the kids will be able to go out there and we'll have a little horn honking fest and just a little preparation. If you don't like loud noises, maybe we'll uh, get you out the side doors or something, you cover your ears. So this is just a fun time, fun thing to do this summer. Hopefully the rain holds off. Psalm 23, coming back to that. Why do you think Psalm 23, Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, maybe you didn't know that was Psalm 23, but maybe you know those words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Why is that so popular? Why has that resonated so, so much with so many people throughout history? It's often what you hear at a funeral. I think for a lot of reasons, that it can be taken by itself like as a daily creed. It's, it's kind of a standalone. It sums up so much of the gospel, of what it means to cling to God, to live a life committed to Jesus Christ. It has a happy ending. It acknowledges the hard things that there's weariness, there's a valley, there's shadows, there's death, there's evil. But it has a happy ending that we all want for our own lives. And lastly, I think it, deep down, whether you're a Christian or not, that we all hope that there really truly is someone looking out for us, someone who cares, someone when, when life appears dark and you can't see that, someone actually is there who's benevolent, who cares for you, who's loving and all-powerful, and even in the darkness, you can reach out and that he is there. Let's uh, review just real briefly. If you want to listen, if you weren't here for part one, that was June 25th, you can go on our website and look that up. But uh, let's just bring up uh, verse one. You can open in your Bibles if you have them or your electronic device. The Lord is my shepherd. And as we talked about, the Lord is actually a name, uh, Jehovah, uh, Yahweh, and that the Lord, the, the performer promises. The, the Lord is the absolute and unchanging one. And in your prayers, you could say, I come to you, eternal one, absolute, unchanging one, is 
my shepherd, that there's this healthy possessiveness, that he's not just the shepherd, but that he's mine, that each of us must make that personal choice that you're my shepherd, not just the shepherd. I shall not want, next verse, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me. Notice that God takes the initiative. It's not man-centered, but that he takes the initiative, that you allow him to have the initiative, that he helps you to lie down, stretch out on your back. He leads you beside still waters. Next verse. He restores my soul. That no one knows your soul, my soul, like your creator. Not your best friend, not your spouse, not your mom or dad. No one knows the recesses, the depths of your soul like Jesus. And he restores, and that, that word restores, as I talked about a few weeks ago, it could be translated, it's often translated, returns. Thinking about a damaged product that you get from, from Amazon or, or where, whatever store it is, and it's damaged, that you return it to the maker to get repaired, to get fixed, to get healed. So we're coming to, it's all about Jesus, my shepherd, just that we return our souls to him over and over. Lord, take my soul and repair, heal, restore my soul. He leads me in paths. We talked about, there's only two paths. There's hell, there's heaven, there's righteousness, there's evil. And we want to be, we need, Lord, keep me on the path of life, of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, verse four, we're gonna to start today, and let's just, uh, I wanna ask you all, just you and online, let's say this together, these next three verses, then I'm gonna lead us in prayer. Let's do this together. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me, in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the Bible, which opens our eyes, which heals our souls, which just gives us hope, which fills us with energy. We thank you that your word, we can cling to it. We can hold it fast. We can memorize it. And we thank you for your son, Jesus, Father. We thank you for his death on the cross for us. We thank you that he rose triumphant from the grave. We thank you that you are our shepherd to all who call upon you. And Lord, this lead us and guide us this day, this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. So let's start. Valleys and shadows and evil, keep walking. Keep walking. Verse four starts off, even though. So we're about to have some bad news, but there's an even though as there's a hint of hope. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Valleys, shadow, shadow meaning just deep darkness. When I lived out west, um, off one part of our town in western Montana, there's a rattlesnake valley. Sometimes in the winter, the sun didn't come over the ridge or the mountain till nine or 10 in the morning. The rattlesnake valley was known for spring arrived two or three weeks 
later than the rest of town. If you wanted to plant, there are certain vegetables you couldn't plant in your garden because the growing season wasn't long enough. Some people would move there from central Montana and the big sky got claustrophobic because of those, those valley ridges, those valley mountains. This is a valley. What are valleys that we experience? Death, anxiety, fear, uh, mental illness, infertility, depression, broken relationships, bitter relationships, friendships that dissolve in, in hatred and anger and grudges and bitterness, all those things. Perhaps it's, it's with your work, uh, career goes south, um, divorce, loss of a loved one, um, Mother, daughter, father, son, fights and bitternesses, uh, family breakups, all kinds of valleys in our life. The Bible is healthy that it gives us a healthy, true, proper perspective that life is hard, that there are valleys, that all of God's children experience valleys, that that is part of the human experience. God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, into the valley. He, Jesus did not get a free pass on human pain and suffering. Shadow represents that sometimes we don't all see clearly. Things can get blurry. Things can get dark. And I, you know, I, I know for a lot of you, and I'm this way, you know, if I get three or four dark days in a row, three or four dark cloudy, it, I know it affects my spirit because the next day when the sun pops out, I can just feel it in my heart, in my emotions. There are many times in the valleys where you may not think, is this gonna end? When's it gonna end? And am I gonna actually make it? I've thought that. I'm sure some of you have thought that. When is this valley gonna be over? And will I come through in one piece? Will my relationship come through this valley? Job, it says this, it's some, I mean, so many Bible verses I could have chosen from here that kind of sum up the way, but I, I chose this one from Job, and he says, and you know, I love the Bible that it doesn't have to pretend. A lot of times as Christians, or some people think, oh, we gotta be all, just put on a smiley face and pretend that life isn't terrible at times. He says, why did, Job cries out, why did you bring me out from the womb? Think about that. That is part of the human experience, that maybe you felt that way, but I'm sure many of you have. Why did you bring me out from the womb? Why was I born? Would that I had died before any eye had seen me, and were as though I had not been, carried from the womb to the grave. Are not my days few? Then cease, Lord, and just leave me alone, that I may, that I may find a little cheer. Now obviously the Bible talks about great joy, but there's that aspect of life too. But in the whole gamut of life, of our lifespan, there's most likely gonna be days for every single one of us where we cry out, Lord, why did you bring me out from the womb? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the good news is that Jesus understands. He knows our valleys. And the word here is, even though I walk. Let's just take a look and think about that word, walk. It's not a sprint. It's not a run. It's also not just curl up in a fetal position, lay down, and give up. It's a walk. What God calls upon 
you and I to do as his followers is just simply to keep walking. Have you ever seen those movies where the main character, they go through a hard ordeal. Uh, They've been shot up. They may be bleeding. Uh, Their house is in ruins. Uh, There's been an earthquake. It's been a disaster. Then near the end of the movie, when the bad guy's dead or the monsters have been killed or something like that, the screen will go fuzzy or it'll go dark and it'll come across the screen one year later. And then suddenly the main character, instead of being bleeding and unhappy and they're, they're happy and they're smiling and they're with the beautiful woman and, and everything is great. The sun is out. Have you ever had a time in your life where you wish it could be, you just hit the fast forward. And just like, I just want out of this valley. I, is there a magical button that I can hit and just skip ahead through this valley? I don't care if one year, five years, as long as I'm out of the valley. But the Bible says, Walk even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now I want to talk about how, what does it mean to walk? Just not to curl up and die, not just say, I'm done. I've had this te- these terrible things, terrible things happen. And we can't curl up, we can't lay down. You just have, we just have to keep walking when we find ourselves in the valley full of shadows. To walk is to continue to worship. Walking means I'm going to keep reading my Bible. Walking means I may say, God, I'm angry. God, I'm hurting. But I'm going to keep talking to God. Walking means I'm going to keep going to church every Sunday. There are some hard situations where Chris and I were like, well, we just not, no, we, Chris and I resolved that we're just not going to miss a Sunday. We're just going to keep Walking. Walking means keep praying, keep talking to to God. You can be angry with God. Many people in the Bible are angry with God. But walking means I'm going to keep talking. I'm going to keep following God. I'm going to keep obeying him. Walking means I refuse to isolate myself. Walking means, because when we're in valleys, we're always tempted to say, ah, no one cares. No one listens. We're always tempted to say, they don't understand, they're too busy. But walking means I'm not going to isolate myself. I'm not gonna cut myself off from everyone. Walking means I'm gonna ask for help and I'm gonna keep asking, I'm gonna keep saying, pray for me. I'm gonna keep, ask, I'm gonna keep going to life group. I'm gonna keep sharing. I'm not gonna bottle it up and just try to put, gut it out. Walking. Now walking may not seem very heroic, but let me, I just want to encourage you that if you're in a valley, walking is very heroic. It, it may not be sensational in, in anyone's eyes. We, we think of victory in Jesus and you've got your life all figured out. But the Bible, God the Father puts great value on just, when you're in the valley, just keep walking. He's proud of you for just putting one foot in front of the other. Just keep going. 
Uh, I'm a runner, though I don't run as much. My knees are starting to catch up with me a little bit. Uh, I recently ran the flotilla race. Um, it does this loop around Max Walton Golf Course. And so as I'm, and I've still got that competitive urge. And as I, I mean, I was trying to run as fast as I could, do as best in my age group as I could. And as I was coming around the backside of North Shore, uh, going back Max Welton, I started to just feel the drag. And so when I get in that, that position, I've got a little less than a mile, I just start looking at the ground and counting to 50. Because I know the route so well, it's too discouraging just to keep my eyes and look the way I'm going. So it helps me just to look straight at the ground, count to 50, and then I look up, and then I feel more encouraged in my progress. For us as followers of Christ, if you're going through that valley, sometimes it may help you just to think about the very next thing. Don't look up and think about how far you have to go or one week out or a month to go, but just do the very next thing. Whether that's getting out of bed, whether that's brushing your teeth, whether that's showing up at work at time, whether that's doing the next thing at work, whether that's talking to your neighbor, talking to your spouse, uh, your kid needs some attention from you, do the very next thing. You go home today, what's, what's the very next thing to do? Just do the very next thing to God's glory. Make your bed, clean your house, mow the yard. Maybe something very simple and ordinary, but when you're in the valley of the shadow of death, walk, walk, do something. Walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The good news is, if you belong to Christ, in that valley, no matter how dark it is, you are never alone. That's good news. That's Jesus. We have the living God. You are never alone. <clears throat> Let's pick it back up again. The next line is, I will fear no Evil. I will fear no evil. Now that word evil there, it could also be translated bad. So it's not evil in the sense of demonic or Satan. It could be, but it's more like evil, bad, bad, evil. All those terrible things that could happen in the valley, it's continuing that theme of, I won't be afraid. I won't fear. I won't get upset. No matter what my valley is, no matter what the shadows are, I will fear no evil. For you, notice here, what stands out to you there in uh, verse four? So for you, up until then, look, look up at verse two. He keeps saying, he makes me lie down. He leads me, he restores. But chapter 23 turns here where he says, for you. So again, the awesome thing about Christianity is it's a personal in that we turn in our relationship with God from he, he is God, I believe in he, God, but that we say, you, Lord. There has to come a point in our walk with God where it moves from he to you. You are my God. You are my shepherd. For you are with me. When we're in the midst of our trials, I think the temptation is always that, that's great, Lord, that you're with me, but I really need $5,000. I appreciate the fact that you're with me, but I'd really like you to, you know, like Star Trek, beam me right out of this valley. 
Thank you, Lord, that you're with me, but I would like you to make this trouble just disappear and go away. To follow Christ means that we, the fact when Jesus says, I'm with you, it, it means everything. We may think, all I need is $10,000 to get out of this valley, and we're, we're, we're focused on the solution. I just need that 10,000, and we, we value Oh, God's with me. Sure, that's great. And it's down here. But to walk with Christ, it's asking him to flip that we've got it all wrong, that really, okay, yeah, sure, I could, I could use $10,000 and that would maybe get me out of the valley. But really, my bank is here that you are with me. God does not promise to take us out of our valleys. He promises to be with you. It may be dark, there may be a lot of shadows, Jesus may appear like an indistinct shape, but you grow in your faith when you learn to value correctly the priceless value of that he's with you. And that you in your heart, you grab a hold by faith, you're with me, you're with me, you're with me, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. Your feelings, I mean, you may have to wrestle through anxiety, but just knowing that you are with me. So right now, maybe you're in a valley, maybe you're not, but how are you valuing the fact that Jesus says, I am with you? Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This is one of my favorite Bible verses. I've memorized that and I've clung to it many times. I can't tell you how many times I've thought of this or laying it on my bed just thinking about this verse, but that is a great one. Let's say this together. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Whatever we're going through and the multitude of various problems we all may face, that's a great one just to hang on to, that he is with you. And when you can hang on to it, your hope increases, your faith, your joy, your peace, your freedom, all that increases. Matthew 28, Jesus says this, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. To get through the valley of the shadow of death, it's hanging on to believing, Lord, it doesn't really mean much to me that you're with me, but Lord, I know that's wrong. Fix my heart that I treasure, that I love the fact that that's my ace in the hole, that's my money in the bank, that's my secret defense, that you are with me. And so it's gonna be all right. Let's continue, verse four. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod, it's kind of, it would be something he would have slung over his back, um, a hand, it's sometimes translated like a club, sometimes like a spear, like a dart, 
like I don't know if it was like a tomahawk, but it was something that uh, the, the rod was literally like a staff or a walking stick. So when it says uh, your rod, meaning something he's got, maybe something he could grab quickly and throw it um, or, or hit, but that was something he carried in the, in, the ro- in the staff, meaning a walking stick, the second word there. So he's, he's armed. Um, back in that day, he is armed. There might've been some, something sharp. It might've been like an ax point or a, a sharp uh, spear point on the rod. I don't know for sure. But the point is that the shepherd is there to protect and defend. The Bible says he's not gonna give us a trial, a valley that we cannot hand, that he's with us in our valleys. So the good news is that Jesus says, I'm with you. And the point of my rod and my staff is, I will protect you, I will defend you, I'm there. And they comfort, they comfort me. They encourage you, they give you hope, like there's light at the end of the tunnel. So when he says, I'm your shepherd, valley of the shadow of the death, for I am with you, my rod and my staff, they comfort. And so again, the promise is not that you're gonna have a valley free life. The promise is that I am with you, I've got my rod, my staff, and be comforted. Find comfort in your valley because Jesus is with you and he will defend you and protect you. Verse five, one of the strangest verses in the Bible, in my opinion. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I think it's one of the strangest verses in the Bible because who wants to have a nice dinner with your enemy? Who wants to eat prime rib with someone who hates you? Who wants to eat steak with, it's gonna spoil your, your appetite. I look at a verse like this and it's like, no human being could have written that. Only someone who was inspired by God could have put that down. It's so unique compared to every other religion. You prepare a table. And the word prepare means that you, you set the table. It's like the fine china, the candles, the, the, the right settings. Like you, you dress it up. It's a big banquet. You prepare and set the table before me in the presence And the presence means opposite to. It means like I'm on one side of the table and there's a couple feet and you're on the other side with your enemy. Uh, They're they're in the presence. They're within spitting distance. Not that you should spit at them, but they're they're that, that close. And it says, of my enemies. Of your enemies. What is an, an enemy? In the verb form, in the Hebrew word, it means to tie up or to bind up. Literally, an enemy is one who puts chains around you, ties you up. In the physical sense, hopefully you haven't had an enemy in the physical sense who has literally tied you up. But what about an enemy in the verbal, the emotional, like, is there an enemy that you know, you sit down at the table and just a sarcastic comment, a look, a grin, and you are tied up. You are bound up. An enemy is someone who, who hurts you physically, emotionally, spiritually, uh, verbally. 
you're tied up, you're bound, you're wounded. Just, uh, they've, they've got maybe positional power. They're, they're a boss. They're, they're someone who has the authority and they use it to let you know that they are in charge. They use it to, to punish you, to inflict harm, pain to you, to tie you up, so to speak. An enemy is, is not just a person who annoys you. They're just a person who annoys you. But an enemy is someone who seeks and tries to damage you, hurt you. And in my experience, that the inner pain is usually worse than the physical pain. And that I assume that in a crowd this size, many of you, you've, you've, got, you've got words, you've got situations that perhaps are still very, you're tied up. Let's just see, I'll give you a choice. If you could have, say, barbecue ribs, prime rib, loaded baked potato with five of your enemies at the table, or, and they're sharing the prime rib with you. They get all the same good stuff with you. Or you could have peanut butter and jelly with your five best friends. Which one would you choose? And there's just a tiny bit of jelly. It's mainly peanut butter. <laughs> Even though you'd probably like to have your enemies eating the peanut butter while you have the prime rib. So which one would you choose? I don't know, that's a tough question. But to me, what the point of this verse is, it's God's power. It's God's power that in the presence of your enemies, in your heart, you are healed and set free, that you can enjoy the prime rib because the pain is gone. You're no longer tied up in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, because Christ has broken the power of that pain and set you free. And so because of Christ, because it's one of those verses that you know God wrote it, that God's power is so much that you could sit down and not be consumed by hatred or anger when your enemy smirks or grins or says that or gives that look or makes that little comment or brings up that little thing to set you off that like you're still enjoying, you just take another uh, bite of your prime rib because of the power of God. So I want to just talk for a moment through the power of Christ. How do you defeat an enemy? In the way of Christ, not the world's way. You know, those vengeance movies where you, you blow away the bad guy. That's how you get, you, you just annihilate them. You blow their body to pieces or kill them in some unusual way. How do you defeat an enemy through the power of Christ? Three things, if you're following along in your outline, Forgiveness, you forgive them for Jesus' sake. Now, forgiveness is a really curious thing that we should all, if we think about it, be aware of. You might have a concentration camp survive her, such as Corey Ten Boom, who is a Dutch gal, concentration camp, some of you will know the story, who a certain specific Nazi guard whom she remembered after the war, was just cruelly terrible. Her sister, lots of her family died in the concentration camp. But yet it came to her meeting this specific evil Nazi guard and she forgave him. She couldn't believe it. God gave her the power to forgive him. And then we also probably know 
in our, our experience where, you know, the person who they're driving down the road and with about 30 yards to go, someone pulls out in front of them and they have to put the brakes on and I hate you. You are my mortal enemy forever because you pulled out in front of me and made me swerve and hit the brakes. And you think, wait a second, shouldn't those situations be flipped? Then you have John, Jean Brant, who Pastor Josh showed the video of, he was the guy from Haiti whose brother in Dallas was shot by off-duty police officer who entered his apartment wrongly and, and shot and killed him and who the courtroom, you could watch it on video, who says, I forgive you. Um, I just want to express, say that I forgive you through the power of Christ. Then you have other silly, ridiculous, uh, you know, the neighbor puts a tire mark on your grass and I, I hate you forever. You're my mortal enemy. And like, wait a second, shouldn't those situations be flip-flopped? You have amazing instances of forgiveness. And likewise, you have amazing instances of incredible hatred and anger over what seems like, wait a second. But to simplify the short story is that forgiveness is a choice. It is a choice. And when you have Christ in your life, that you have an incredible capacity to forgive because Christ has forgiven you. If Christ is in your heart, you have the power to forgive whatever it is because he's forgiven you. And it's not about your ability to forgive. It's about Christ in you and casting yourself upon him and that he makes it able to. Luke 23, 34. Jesus on the cross, as his enemies are just full of hate, right in his face, saying, ha, you saved others, you can't save yourself, mocking him, and he's physically dying, gasping for each breath. And the Son of God, so amazing, says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And that spirit, folks, is in us. If Christ is in you, that's, that's, that's a tall hill to climb, but that's in you. Christ is in you, the one who said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as Christ, as God in Christ forgave you. Now listen carefully. Forgiveness, forgiving another person has nothing to do with that other person. Forgiving another person has nothing to do with that other person. They're probably not sorry about it anyway. They probably don't care that you're upset with them anyway. It doesn't matter whether they're dead, whether they're in a different state, or if they're someone you see on a weekly basis. Forgiveness is something you do, just you and the Lord. You go to God, you say, God, I'm really angry, I'm hurt that so-and-so did so-and-so to me. But in Jesus' name, I forgive whatever their name is for whatever they did. And you keep praying that prayer. You keep praying that prayer. And the sidebar of your bulletin just gave you a little example 
um, out of many books that there are written about forgiveness as just an example, I would encourage you, and this works for people you just don't like or people who irritate you as well, two weeks, five minutes a day. Pray for that person two weeks, five minutes a day. I just picked that just as do it. I, I could have said three weeks, three minutes. The point I'm trying to say is that it takes peeling it back, working it through, letting it work through your heart, your mind, your spirit, your emotions. It's not gonna be just a one and done, most likely. Number two, surrender. Surrender. Surrender your enemy to God. Give them to God. Uh, Romans 12 says this. Beloved, sons and daughters of God, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. You say here, Lord, uh, I forgive Joe, Jolene, whoever, and I, but I, give them, I just give them to you. I surrender them to you. For it is written, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is how you enjoy prime rib in the presence of your enemy. Instead of doing the world's way of rock for a rock, eye for an eye, you overcome, you, you, you are kind, you're forgiving, you're gracious. Not for their sake, they don't deserve it. You do it for God's sake because God is so good to you, because God forgives you. So when you're with your enemy, you do good. They make their sarcastic comment and either you say nothing or you say that's fine or maybe you leave the table or maybe you say, hey, I'm sorry or like, or you, you just come off, you change the subject, but you return, you, you're not overcome by evil, but you overcome evil with good. So having, enjoying that prime rib with your enemy is a part of just surrendering them. Lord, I just leave it to you. And lastly, bless. That's partly there in those verses, but bring up the, the next verse, Matthew 5, where it says, Jesus says, but I say to you, love your enemies. Through God's power, love your enemies. Feel sorry for them. Ask blessing upon them. Pray for those who persecute you. Just in the same way, we ask Jesus to forgive us, then we ask Jesus to bless us. The same way toward our enemies, we, we forgive them, then we ask God's blessing. That's how you break the power. That's how you are set free. That's the supernatural power of God to enjoy, prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies that you could eat and enjoy your meal. Now, a brief tangent just real quick, on prayer. You know, um, my ladies at home, they've got like the five pound little weight that they'll do like when Natalie's home and Chris and sometimes they'll use those little weights. I mean, you know, if you're, if you're working to build up some, some buff muscle, you're not gonna like take that five pound and just do it like for like 30 seconds. You're gonna go to the gym and you bench press a couple hundred pounds. I mean, so what I'm saying is there's, bench pressing 200 pound type prayer. And then there's like doing three repetitions of five pounds prayer. So I, I reference my knees. And so a lot of times now I'll throw a pillow on the ground because I, I like to pray on my knees and I would encourage that if you don't already because I think in my posture, 
I'm able to focus more. I feel closer to God. I can concentrate better when I'm on my knees. And some of your prayer, I'm talking about the bench press prayer. I'm, at, I'm talking about the grunting prayer that works it through. This, this forgiving people is a grunting prayer. It's gonna take concentration. It's gonna take you getting alone. Maybe you're driving and it might take you screaming or yelling. It might start off saying something like, God, I don't wanna forgive. I don't wanna forgive. God, I hate that person. Hey, God is good with honesty. Honesty is always gonna take you in the right direction. The Bible clearly says God, God receives honesty. You're not gonna get closer to God until you're honest that, yeah, you really hate that person. And asking, Lord, forgive me and break the power. But what I'm trying to say is just calling the Lord by name, wrestle, cry it out. Um, that's a powerful prayer. Just remember, two types of prayer. There's just, you know, five times with a three pound weight. There's that. And there's, you know, a couple hundred pounds that you do three times that those are different types of lifting. There's different types of prayer. Pray the powerful prayer to be set free. Now, let's go on. Um, let's come back to uh, 23.5, anoint your head with oil. You prepare a table before me, the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Your enemy, anointing is the oil, just touching your head. An imperfect illustration, but somewhat similar. Uh, what happens to the winning football coach a lot of times at the end of a, a big game that they won, what do the players maybe do? They maybe get, uh, grab that big bucket of, of Gatorade. They sneak up and they, they dump it over the coach as a sign of like celebration of, we won, this is awesome, blessing. Uh, the Gatorade splashing over. There's, that's something similar. The anointing, like your, it's your birthday. It's your special day. It's your graduation. Anointing, like it's God's blessing. God's favor is resting upon you. Your enemy meant to put a curse on your head God the shepherd says, no, no, -uh. you're anointed. You're anointed with oil. Your life is oil. Your cup overflows. It's all God's grace. What it's saying is that God's grace is like embarrassing. It's like so good. We, we don't realize even how good it is. That God in the presence of your enemies breaks the power of sin. He breaks the power of bitterness and it's like oil. It's like cup overflowing. Do you see your life as oil or some type of curse? Is your life, do you, do you look at your life as defined by the shadows, the valley? Or is your life You've, you've accepted Christ, you've asked Jesus to come into your heart, you're, you're wanting to read the Bible and stay close to him, or do you see your life as defined by oil? That's a, that's a big question. Isaiah 61, just, I'm just gonna point out, just like it says the Lord, he, he's anointed me. Uh, next verse, uh, verse three, it says, uh, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. That's what Christ does in our life. A few years ago, before coming here as your associate pastor, uh, 
I was out of ministry and you know, I'd had lots and lots of dreams about you know, what my career uh, as a pastor was gonna look like, but I found myself uh, working in a factory, which obviously there's absolutely nothing wrong with, but I'd trained to be a pastor all my life. And there, there hit a point where it's like every single dream that I had vocationally, professionally, was dead, was gone. It just was like, well, hey. But, you know, and I, I've reached a lot of, I, I certainly wasn't looking at my life like my head anointed with oil, my cup is overflowing. That was not the way I was seeing life. But then in the midst of that, it, it just began to turn. And God did, just did a work in my heart where I've never experienced such profound gratitude. You know, day after day, going to my station and, and doing my thing on the RV line. And I was leading men's ministry or prayer ministry at the church I was going to. I just began to, it's like, God, if I've got my wife, Chris, and I've got Hannah and Natalie and Isaac, and I've got food on the table, there just began to be this overwhelming sense of oil of what more do I really need? And that this is, this is good. And God just totally changed my perspective to, I'm not sure I've ever, I'd ever known what gratitude, a deeper gratitude that I began to experience in my life. It had nothing to do with, with the outward, but just that God did a work that, you know, if I've got my wife and kids and I've got oil, my, my, I've got oil in my head and I've got my cup overflowing. And that's what Jesus does. And so today, this morning, if your life is not defined by oil and you belong to him, pray. Ask, come forward for prayer or go back for prayer. Ask someone to pray with you just that, that you would look, be able to see your life. If you have Christ, you've got oil on your head. If you have Jesus, you have oil on your head and your cup is overflowing. Last verse, verse six, I'm gonna go quickly through. Surely goodness, goodness meaning, uh, let, me, let me make sure, goodness and mercy are, are similar here. Take a quick look at my notes here. Goodness and mercy, it's such an optimistic look. And again, it talks about a, a happy ending here. That goodness meaning pleasant, agreeable, or beauty. And mercy being defined as, as mercy, favored, kindness. So basically, you know what? I got oil on my head, my cup overflows because I've got Jesus. And what's more, I got a happy ending coming. I got beauty, agreeableness. I've got favor, kindness, follow. The word follow means to pursue or chase or hunt. It means as a follower of Christ, you know, no matter how dark it looks right now, no matter what the ups and downs of my life, what's hunting me down, what's gonna catch up to me is not the curse, but it's goodness, mercy. Goodness and mercy are hunting me. They're coming. The final chapter of my life, it's gonna be good because I have Christ. So let's just bow our heads for prayer. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come forward at this time. Pray and ask, uh, just bow your head. How does God want you to apply his word to your life today?
If you have never surrendered your life to Jesus, today is a great day to be born again. To say, Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Take my sin and give me your life. You might pray a prayer just saying, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my my life. Be my king. Be my Lord. Be my shepherd. Maybe today just to believe that God is with you, to rightly value that, man, if he's with you, you have hope. If Jesus is with you, you got a reason to smile. If Jesus is with you, you have a... You have a reason to have some energy to do the very next thing. Maybe it's just believing that, no, there's not a curse on your head. There's oil on your head. Lord, lead us and guide us. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the special days of church, just to have all these vehicles here and to celebrate and just have a great time as a church family. We thank you for your word. Lord, just help us to take it to heart that you are our shepherd you are life, that you are our hope, and you're with us in the valleys, you're with us in the shadows. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.